Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. It's been a few weeks, to, to, that's to put it lightly, but you know, content now going to start sprinkling in on the regular. Looking forward to today. Several different guests will be coming on to give their takes on the Cavaliers draft last night, and you know, it's going to be a fun morning. You know, going through it with everybody. They did a good job, plain and simple, as we're going to get to. And they got Asuka Koro, who a lot of Cavs fans had wanted. He's the best defensive player probably in the entire draft. They got him. Guys shot 20% against him in college. They got Lamar Stevens undrafted. And, you know, Penn State is not known for having NBA players succeed. Fun fact, we'll introduce our first guest. If you, would get, if you had to guess who the all-time leading scorer in the NBA from Penn State would be, you would probably not tell me it was Frank Burkowski. You probably wouldn't tell me that Tim Frazier was the all-time assist leader from Penn State, given how many teams he's been on and his situations. And for those two guys and Calvin Booth to be their biggest names to go pro, you know, the track record isn't great. But Lamar Stevens has a good chance in Cleveland. If something happens with Kevin Love, he gets hurt. They don't get another forward. If injuries arise, he'll get his chance. But the first guest of today is a voice actor. Got a podcast, and he is a Clevelander, James C. Turner Jr. I'm glad to bring you on this morning. Uh, how you doing, brother? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. I'm good. How are you doing? You know, waking up with Isaac Okoro on the Cleveland Cavaliers. How does that make you feel? You know, I don't think there could have been any better news because I think not only does he fit the culture there, he's going to bring a defensive identity that we're missing. I know people are complaining about his shot, but I mean, look at the numbers. He compares with Jalen Brown, you know, Jimmy Butler, guys like that who have obviously tweaked their shot and gotten better in the NBA. I think he can be, you know, the next great two-way player for us. Yeah, no, there's no question about that. I mean, you talk about the numbers. Yeah, they're not great. The average 13 points, four and a half rebounds, two assists. But impressively, you know, he's only 6'6". I'm sure at 19, maybe he'll still grow another inch or two. You never know. He averaged almost a steal and a block, and James, there's, there's very few guys that aren't centers or power forwards that can put up those numbers. And a guy, and we're not going to get crazy because he hasn't played yet, when you see a steal and a block from the forward spot, the first guy I think of is Giannis Antetokounmpo with his great length. Yeah, and you, you know what? Like, the, the guy's known for defending the one, one through the four position. You know, he might be 6'6", but I believe his wingspan is, is almost seven foot. And, and like you said, he's 19, so, you know, he's got two years or he could still grow. And obviously now, you know, you bring in Isaac Okoro, and there's a lot of question marks on this team still because of this. You know, a lot of people are unsure. Will Garland and Sexton be, be starters together, I think, to open the season? Yes. And then, you know, that leaves a question of the small forward spot. You know, they don't have a ton of money to spend. Most of it will go toward either re-signing Delhi and or Tristan or Tristan and or Delhi. Maybe a lot of people are mentioning Nerlens Noel. If, if Tristan goes, it's a good mid-level exception signing. But small forward spot. You know, you got Jetty Osman. Kevin Porter. Willie yeah. Colley Stein would be a nice pickup too. Like a cheap uh, big if Kristen goes. He saw he played with the Mavericks to end last season. Sadly, we didn't no one really knew that because he was unable to play in the bubble, was not with the team. But yeah, so what do you think about the small forward spot, James? Is it gonna be Windler, it's gonna be Osman, KPJ, or do you think opening day right away, Asuka Koro is gonna get the start? Well, here's the thing. I think, well, Chetty Osman might get the start because, you know, that's kind of the way it's been going. But I would like to see if, if Okoro, you know, battles in, in the little camp that they have and, and they think that he could take over the spot. I'd like to see him. I know they played uh, Nance Jr. at the small forward a little bit. 
Um, I think Kevin Porter Jr. is better at, at the two guard. So I would like to see O'Coro start. Windler might get it, though. I know Windler, they're really excited about him. I'm not too sure about him. I know he played great in college, but I, we don't know too much about him yet. Yeah, at Belmont, you know, one of his final games, put up close to 40 points. He was a three-point marksman uh, against Maryland in March Madness. But I think he brings, James, is something that, as a Cavs fan, you know, we haven't had a ton of over the years. And it's very good players that are also very good shooters. I mean, Kyrie is an obvious exception to this rule. But you look at through the years, LeBron's first tenure in Cleveland, the best shooters they had. Daniel Gibson was great. Wasn't a great player, but a great shooter. Larry Hughes was a good player and an okay shooter. They never had those guys that can just come in at all with the Cavs, really. Mark Price, probably the best shooter we've ever had as a franchise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they've never had these guys that can give you 15 to 20 points while also being a great shooter, if you know what I'm saying. They got slashers. They got bigs. They got players that can drive. But never someone who you're scared of the jump shot as a defender for their best player. And I think that while he's not going to be a star, I think Winler does have the chance to be that 15-point-per-game guy that's that constant threat in the lineup that they've been missing for a long time. I agree. I know he, he's a pure scorer. Um, you know, the injury he had is the only thing that worries me is a lot of times injuries like that people can't come back from. So I am excited to see, you know, what he does. It's really it's a rookie season for him as well. Yeah, and you, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because we got the news about Clay Thompson last night. Still waiting to see what happened. But, you know, obviously different because he's well-established in the NBA for almost a decade. But uh, I think yeah. it tears the ACL in the finals and then misses the entire next season. And then, like, we're getting ready to watch him come play again. And then we hear last night he gets hurt in an open gym, you know. And th this is something you always worry about. When a guy gets hurt once, who's to say it won't happen again? And... So do you then think that they're going to ease Windler in, even though he's been healthy for a while now? Or is this going to be a case where, you know, he comes in and just gets a couple of minutes here and there so that they're, they're careful? Or are they just going to go full throttle? What do you think? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that they would be careful and put him, you know, on a minutes restriction because I don't think you want anybody going full blast immediately, you know, your first time on the court after an injury like that. So I would like to see them ease him in. You know, and and then and that in turn, you know, I think Okora could get some minutes too if they do it that way. So, you know, they could split minutes between those two. Yeah, hundred percent. And so, as we wrap things up, let's talk about Lamar Stevens, James. You know, he was the NIT MVP twenty eighteen. He was two time All Big Ten. You know, last year he averaged eighteen and seven. He made a career best eighteen threes. He's not a guy that's going to blow you away with shooting, but you look at a guy that's capable. At 6'8", 6'9", he can play both forward and center and can make those shots. Maybe, you know, on a two-way contract, there might be a night or two. Cavs are shorthanded. They get a lot of Lamar Stevens, and I think he's got a lot to offer. Yeah, he's a high school, former high school state champion. I mean, he's always been ranked in, in the top 100 recruits. You know, he's, he's gotten all four- and five-star recruit ratings. The dude can ball. If, if you ever watch him play, you know, he could play well on both ends of the floor. And I think, you know, his age and how many years he's playing, I think he's like a plug-and-play right-away guy. I think he could contribute. And how impressed are you? You know, we look at, look at a guy, a uh, big man in college, and it's never a given how often a player can get to the free throw line and do it effectively. But over his final two seasons, uh, Steven shot an average of 74% on six free throw attempts a game. So how great is it that a guy, you know, 6'8", not, it's different in college in the NBA, obviously, but a guy that's not the biggest guy out there 
that can draw fouls and even be effective at the free throw line. I think that's huge for possible development, that he can just get in there and bully his way inside. Oh, yeah, it's all part of the ever-evolving game that is the NBA, man. It's, I think that that's actually good for the way that it's been going, and I think he'll fit right in. Absolutely. Uh, James, uh, pleasure talking Cavs basketball today. And, you know, great news. We are only what, 33 days from Cavs basketball. Oh, man. Up, man? <laughs> hibernation time. <laughs> uh, hibernation, going to take a long nap, wake up, and then we'll say, wait, it's been nine months already. But, no, it's going to be great as we close, <laughs> as we close up. Uh, do you believe there is a legitimate chance, final question, James, that Isaac Okoro can compete for the Rookie of the Year award in 2020, 2021? Oh, oh, absolutely. I think he'll be at least top five out of all the rookies for sure. Absolutely. So for James C. Turner Jr., I am Zach Weiss. Coming back shortly, Tyler Hoard coming on next. Appreciate James Turner's time on the show today. Good talking. I support Lamar Stevens. That is the main focus for today. We got two more guests. The latest, a Strongsville native, big Cavs fan. I'm looking at his jersey wall right now. He's got the IT and he's got the LeBron. He's rocking another LeBron, Tyler Horde. It's good to bring you on today, my man. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yep. So, Tyler, uh, when. It was announced by Adam Silver. Unless you saw it when you when – you, oh, okay, I'll ask first. When the pick was announced, did you see it live on TV or did Woj or Sham spoil it for you? Uh, I made sure for at least the top five to, like, put my phone away and all the way off so I didn't get spoiled. So I went to see it live on TV. So. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I only had one pick spoiled. It was the LaMelo ball pick. So I, I took one check. I'm like, wait, they're not announcing trades on TV. Maybe we're going to miss something. We didn't. The Cavs decided – with the fifth pick to take Isaac Okoro from the University of Auburn. So, what was your initial reaction? Did you jump? Did you pump your fist? Were you crying of sadness or happiness? What was your reaction? Well, I, I had, like, I was content. Okoro was my second pick that I wanted the Caps to get. I actually wanted to get Obi Toppin. But, um, honestly, I kind of talked myself into the idea of Okoro because, like, I thought about how Obi Toppin is. Uh, 22, and he's, like, horrible at defense. So, I'm like, you know what? He probably wouldn't have been a good fit anyway. But Okoro, I feel like, is a sure thing with his perimeter defense. Yeah, Isaac Okoro, great tweet uh, caught last night. In one-on-one situations, defenders shoot, get this, 20% against him. And, I, I yeah, I, I see your reaction right now. And that in itself – Tyler makes me think, you know, Garland and Sexton have both struggled with defense uh, in their young careers, I really think. Obviously, you know, Okoro's only 19. He's a young guy. I think he's going to push everybody to want to match his energy. I think that is a huge thing for the Cavs moving forward. For sure. If we could turn that defensive culture around, because honestly, one through five, like our starting one through five currently are not that great at defense, any of them. Like, even down to Drummond, he's not the best at defense. So maybe – if Akaro can come in and, like you said, um, uh, push that culture into the Cavaliers, uh, then that could start a new era for us. Yeah, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen. But, I mean, it's pretty clear. One other thing that I think is so telling of what the Cavs think of Isaac Okoro, Larry Nance Jr.'s tweet last night said, all right, welcome, Okoro. Let's play some defense. How, uh-huh. how does that happen? where one of the, your heart and soul guys acknowledges the guy you just drafted is that good a defender that, okay, this kid's never played in the NBA and he's going to push us right. all the better. I think that's a fantastic sign moving forward for the Cavs. Yeah, for sure. I was really happy to see that on Twitter. 
I mean, obviously, all the Cavs players. I mean, really just Larry Nance. It seems that a lot of Cavs guys never aren't, like, endearing on Twitter. Like, they're all good followers. But Larry Nance, I mean, for so long, whether you know, he's voicing his opinion on what's happening in the community. You know, him and, and J.B. Bickerstaff has also been really a great follower. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Larry Nance Jr. is always endearing. I love what he sees. And it's just crazy that, you know, our parents got to grow up and uh, maybe, yeah, they, they, they were already older by the time Larry Sr. was playing, but they, they watched him, and now we get to watch Larry Jr. on the same team with the same number. I think that's just so great. Yeah, I, I love that story so much. And, I, I w and just seeing him do the dunk his dad did in the dunk contest with the same jersey on is just – Yeah, and, like, the look on his dad's face when he was there and he saw it, he just looked like – like a proud father would. Like, it's just, it's just great to see. It's the literal textbook definition of, like, father-like son. But, yeah, it, we got one other player joining the Cavs, Lamar Stevens out of Penn State. Are you happy with that signing? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I That's something I saw on Twitter. Um, I think Walsh tweeted that out. And uh, I looked him up. I don't know too much about him, but I do know he played four years at Penn State. And, um he averaged like 16 points, have rebounds. So uh, it'll be interesting. Um, I'm just curious to see what he brings. Yeah, I'm not sure what his minutes are going to be. Obviously, this would probably negatively affect Dean Wade and his development, wherever whatever their plans were there. But given that, you know, they still got Kevin Love for now and Larry Nance. So had they gotten Toppin, probably would have been a package for Kevin Love uh, somewhere along the way. But they didn't. So my guess Tyler would be a couple minutes here or there for him because he got two bigs on a two-way contract, and you probably just want him to learn as much as possible this year in the case that if they trade Kevin Love, they can't get another big. Yeah. Um, do you think that they should trade Kevin Love? Because, I mean, I feel like I love Kevin Love. He's one of my favorite Cavaliers of all time. But, like, I just feel like we're moving in a different direction. I appreciate what he's doing for the young players and mentoring them. but um. I don't know. I feel like it might be time to move on and see what we can get. Yeah, no. Especially since we just drafted um Lamar Stevens, so to maybe get free him up some more minutes. I, I wish we had drafted him. Technically unsigned free agent, oh, yeah. free. Either way, either way, he's still he's joining the team. Yeah. Um. I, I I've gone back and forth for a while on what they should do with Kevin Love. My also my unpopular opinion that I really barely shared is that I think they should give Tristan Thompson a loaded one-year deal and then trade him at the deadline for an asset or two, given that a lot of contenders have interest. I don't know that that's what he wants or what they want. He deserves to go wherever he wants for what he's done. But talking about Kevin Love, it's hard. I've gone back and forth. At first, I'm like, don't trade him. You know, he's good. He's got a few years on his deal. He, I think he genuinely – I mean – he lives in New York when he's never, he's not in Cleveland. He's always in one or the other, but I think he's happy there. And I know he's had a lot of, of mental health struggles in recent years. And he's been open about that. I really think he's happy with the guys in Cleveland and they're not just going to keep him there for that reason. And that's just how sports are. It, it's really hard to say. I think at some point before the contract's up, they should, and they will. I just don't know when that's going to be. I think if it's this year, Larry becomes a starter. I think that would be fantastic for the team. It also gets more minutes for Dylan Wendler. It gets a Coro more opportunity. It gives every player on that roster an extra chance. But one thing I don't want, whether or not Kevin Love is here, Tyler, and it worked last year, no more Larry at the three. I think that was solely because they were short at the position. 
And I would hate if he played the three and took minutes away from any of the young guys, especially Okoro. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. I just really hate, like you were saying, about players playing out of position. I mean, you can't really maximize their potential and maximize how good they are if they're not playing what they're used to playing. So I feel like that's definitely a plus that you would get. And um, seeing Kevin Love move at some point, you'd be able to see uh, Larry play as a normal position. Yeah, and Larry is a starter. I mean, he's not going to wow you with any specific numbers, but what he does is he does what very few bigs do. You know, but he gets the points at 12 to 17 probably per game if he started, right? He's got the three-point shot almost down now. It's beautiful to watch. Very good rebounder for his 6'7", six, 6'8", six, frame. He's a very good passer for the great lob finisher he is. I mean, he, he could pass a mean ball. He averaged four or five assists a game. I just – I love what he brings. So – and I, I don't – and I do think just looking three or four years down the line, if – uh, the Cavs don't get any other power forwards, top-tier power forwards. I think Larry as a starter could be the, uh, when the Cavs are in the playoffs again. It could be with Larry starting. And I have no qualms about that. Yeah, I'd love to see that. And something uh, I feel like not enough people talk about is his ability to get steals. Like, he, he really gets in lanes a lot and gets those steals, which is really special to me. So I like the aspect of his game, aspect of his game the most. Um, and I, I'd love to see him be the power forward of the future. Yeah, just wait, Tyler, until Isaac Okoro and Larry Nance are, are coming to bring a double team. They both have their arms all the way out, and they're literally covering the entire side of the floor that they're defending. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. game over right there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's going to be a fun Cavs season. And, Tyler, I'm uh, glad to bring you on. Glad we could talk some Cavs hoops this morning. And can't wait to see Isaac Okoro get out there in a month. Let's go, man. Yeah. I cannot wait for opening day. So, for Tyler Horde, I'm Zach Weiss. Coming back shortly with Dan Jelinski, final guest of the day of King James Gospel. Thank you to Tyler Horde for coming on today as we got last, but certainly not least, I pardon the earlier blunder. It is Dan Gielinski of King James Gospel. He knows his calves. And let's see, Dan, uh, how do you feel about Isaac Okoro coming to Cleveland? Oh, that made for an electric Wednesday. Um, I, I really didn't think the Cavs had they, I guess, stood pat like they did. I mean, Chris Fedor kind of tweeted out, um, Cavs or Cleveland.com writer, that they that he thought that gut feeling that that's what the Cavs would do very shortly before the draft. And um, I, I I thought there were there were a lot of rumors slash reports um, that the Cavs would trade back with the Knicks, which would have been fine. Um, but it just seemed that all the knocks that we had seen for so long, I guess it must have been smoke, but um, had the Cavs going with Toppin or uh, Danny Avdia, there were some occasionally Kevin O'Connor, the ringer, had um, Isaac Okoro, some other guys did um, here and there, but it, it, they were, they did like him, but they didn't seem to, uh, I, I just didn't think it was going to be a possibility at that spot. Um, but I, I was all for it. Um, just a really switchable defender that um, can, I think, help the team uh, impact winning in coming years. Just really uh, does everything well besides shooting. That needs to come around. That's clear. Um, shot sub-29% from three uh, at Auburn. But 
Um, when there were a whole lot of opportunities for him, uh, it is kind of like a big role playmaker, but um, was efficient in that sense, really sprays out the shooters well. Um, he's going to be a ball mover for you, an elite finisher, um, and, and definitely a culture piece that um, will fit right in. Yeah, and what I like best about Isaac Okoro is a stat I saw last night, and I'm sure it's come to your attention by this point, Dan, was that uh, in one-on-one situations, opponents shoot 20% against him. And I see 20%, and any stat defensively, if there's a 20% in there, it's generally positive. And this is huge. And then I look at what Larry Nance said, and let's play some defense uh, in regard to the drafting of Okoro. I see – the potential of a Coro, Dan, is kind of helping shape the defensive abilities of the rest of the team. And I don't know how many times we've ever seen a guy drafted where they can come in and change the identity, not as a, as an offensive unit, but as a defensive unit. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Um, I, I just think for the Cavs, the team that's placed, uh, I believe, last in defensive rating the last two seasons – and perimeter defense, uh, wing defense especially, I think um, is a guy that can elevate that um, from day one. Uh, I believe Kobe Altman, um, media availability, said that um, he, he thinks Okoro immediately will impact, uh, make a difference on the defensive end. Um, and, and that couldn't be more uh, true. Um, I, I think we'll see that on a nightly basis. Um, he Okoro even said that I can't wait or I'm looking forward to guarding the other team's best players. Um, and for the Cavs, obviously, you, you hear guys say that and you take it with a grain of salt, clearly. But yep. I just think it, it allows um, them to be kind of more, at times, aggressive on the defensive end. Uh, I just think the ball pressure that he puts on, uh, on guys and um, his switchability, if, if needed, um, I, I think can actually guard a variety of fours. Um, he's a sturdy 6'6", 225, and he's not real long, um, but he uses his length well and, and really is a really uh, intuitive team defender um, for a player his age. And how much of the selection, Dan, do you think might have been based off the fact that he and Colin Sexton, Colin Sexton have a pre-existing relationship as two guys being from Georgia? Well, I think it definitely – I don't think it's really a differentiator um, or I, I should say difference maker, but I think it's it's definitely a good thing. You, you hear um, the going endorsement from Colin um, just about his uh, – Okoro's competitive, competitiveness, um, his willingness to work. And I think for the Cavs, uh, it's just a guy that can kind of help lay that foundation for them um, and kind of help instill that – uh, hard-working culture they're trying to build. Yeah, no questions about that. You're not going to find too many 19-year-olds out there that play as hard on both sides of the ball as Isaac Okoro. And so let's just say, Dan, in an alternate dimension where the pick is announced and it's Obi Toppin. How would that selection – I'm glad this is a hypothetical and it's not real life. How would that have kind of altered how we feel today? Well, I think with him, it's it, you heard kind of reports that he might have been viewed as a long-term uh, replacement for Kevin Love, but I just it would have concerned me just in the fact that he, he is a polished offensive player. I think really could be a high-level finisher. 
um, which which I don't want to discount that. It, it definitely um, matters offensively. He's a hard roller. Um, and the pick and pop ability, um, we saw more last season. I, I don't know. I, I think it, he'll, I think he could very well be an above average three point shooter for bigs, but I, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be a floor spacer. Um, but either way, I just think it would have, it would have been caused me to be torn just because he's already 22 years old. Um, and for a guy drafted at that spot or even in the top 10, um, just given the defensive concerns he has, there's a, a lot of um, question marks about um, lateral agility, um, fluidity, being, struggles when it comes to closing out to shooters. And um, for a guy that is long, doesn't really use his length to play with verticality on that end. And I just think with him, he probably would have had to gain weight as well. And I just think he's a player that is, struggles with himself being kind of like stiff. And I just think if he had to gain more added weight, which I believe he will, that, that could cause for the Cavs um, even more defensive issues going forward. Yeah, and a problem that, was, that would have belonged to the Cavs, uh, having too many bigs, now is the Knicks problem. they got to figure out what to do with Julius Randle, who, by the way, here's a really fun fact uh, for anyone out there. Uh, Julius Randle, you know, has been in the league a while. He's 25. Obi Toppin coming into the league now is only three years younger, yet to set foot on an NBA floor. It's just crazy how age works and how you don't come into the NBA young. It's going to be a very different circumstance. But now, you know, a lot of teams in the East, besides the Cavs, I think uh, did a real nice job. Not exactly sure what the Bulls have in Patrick Williams, but what I believe they have is a good defender, a high-energy player that's going to complement supporting cast. I think the Knicks got their power forward that's going to play a little harder than Julius Randle in all the right ways next to Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barry. Look at the Hawks in immediate contention with the Cavs. Onyeka Kongwu joining a group that has Trey Young. They have a lot of young guys, you know, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter, John Collins won't be suspended again, we think. Clint Capella. And, you know, those other teams up there, or down there, I should say, with them, did a nice job. So that being said, Dan, as we uh, start to wrap up here, where do you see the Cavs? Obviously, this is going to depend on free agency, but I don't see them making any splashes that will drastically change our opinion. Where do you see them finishing in the East next season with a Coral now here? Um, I, I don't uh, – it's hard to say because I, I don't know exactly – I'm not saying like I would know, but I, I would think that there's a good possibility that um, Andre Drummond is kind of like a trade deadline piece. Um, which I don't know how his fit will be. We only saw it for eight games last year, and he was he was kind of banged up um, as well um, initially. So um, the Cavs were four and four with him uh, when he was here, but that it was there were a number of circumstances into that. I don't know exactly what it'll be, but I think it seems realistic that the Cavs could be maybe in contention to be in that play-in uh, tournament, which basically will feature the seven to 10 seeds. Um, they, they can make a run at that, but I think it's probably realistic that, uh, that there may be in like the 11, 12 finishing range. I think that's feasible. Um, they still need to have a lot of internal growth uh, for me to be really confident that they could have a realistic shot at that. But um, if they were to add, to add maybe a free agent guy like Nerland Noel or 
Um, I think like an Alex Len for a backup five, if Tristan Thompson were to be gone, um, I, I think that could help them uh, just for some insurance. So, um, but I, it's, it's hard to say, but I think on a 72 game schedule, I think maybe 28 ish wins seems for now feasible to me. And in a 72 game slate, 28 would not be bad at all. And after you mentioned Alex Len, I liked it. I thought you were going to go. I've read a lot about Thon Maker, but I really like Alex Len. He's a guy not, he's not really talked about much and for good reason. But remember, he was kind of a bust in the Anthony Bennett draft as well. Didn't work out in Phoenix, never got a second contract there. Went to Atlanta for a few years and quietly put up about 10 points, six rebounds, almost a block. He can make the corner threes. It'd be a solid addition as a, no more than 15 to 20 minute a game guy, you know, who knows what happens with Costa Kufis. You know, I know he expressed some interest there, but I, I do agree because Dan, whatever happens with Andre Drummond, the chances are they won't get a big man for him. Should he get moved to the deadline? So I think whatever they do at the backup mm -hmm. center could actually help determine their long-term solution at center, unless they think that Larry Nance could go back to doing what he did when the Cavs first got him, which is playing at the five full time. Although I don't see that being feasible because I think he would get eaten alive by the best bigs in the league at the center position. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, I, I just, I just look at a guy like Noel or when I think they could maybe get, um, say they offer them maybe like a two year deal. Uh, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm just spitballing here, but maybe some portion of the mid level based on what Theodore said, maybe in like the $6 million a year range um, seems realistic. I, I would think those guys would, strongly consider that I mean there's a lot of I guess kind of stretch big potential in the next draft um, that the Cavs could very well get their long-term five answer then and this this could be a nice guy to have around to kind of um, help bring them along as well yeah no absolutely and you know it's going to be a fun season we'll see what the Cavs end up doing in free agency how Isaac Coro and our and our new pal Lamar Stevens uh, fit into the equation but Dan, as always, uh, great talking Cavs basketball. Glad you could stop by this morning. Always. Thanks a lot, Zach. Appreciate it. All right. So for Dan Galinsky of King James Gospel, I am Zach Weiss. I just want to shout this out last second. Dan probably has one of the best Twitter handles you'll ever come across at Dan at Armchair QB Dan. I, I just, I've always liked that. I had to throw it out there. Had to give you the shout out there before we wrap up. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It basically shows my uh, real peak athleticism uh, back in like fourth grade. I don't know. So basically, last question then. You are a uh, paper throwing into the garbage champion. You know, you're in the chair. You're just throwing it right in there. Yeah, there, there might have to be like a bank element in there, but I, I'd say my uh, effective field goal percentage on that is all right. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it on this edition of Across the Cast. Appreciate everyone tuning in today. Hoping to make uh, the podcast a more regular thing, potentially weekly episodes. As soon as there's Cavs news, we're back. But that's it for today. See you next time.